seated. We are going to be returning to 1 Corinthians today, where we have been for the past couple of months. In the section of 1 Corinthians we have been moving through over the past several weeks, Paul has focused a lot on sex. This was clearly an issue in Corinth. It is an issue in our world as well. The things Paul has to say are not limited to this issue alone. Through this presenting issue, Paul gives all who care to know a better knowledge of what it means to live as a Christian in general. Today's verses focus on marriage, but their application is not limited to the marriage relationship. While today's sermon will talk about marriage, it is not a marriage sermon. It is a relationship sermon. Specifically, we are going to talk about how Christians should approach relationships. So if you would please turn with me to 1 Corinthians 7. We're going to start reading in verse 1. We will read through verse 5. Those verses can be found in your pew Bible on page 898, or if you prefer to use your own personal Bible, we will be reading again from 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Hear the word of the Lord. Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement, for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again, so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. The focus of these verses is relational authority. Who has it and how is it used? Paul's answers to those questions in the context of marriage reflects a general Christian approach that should be present in all relationships. Authority is part of every relationship. The Christian perspective on authority and relationships was at odds with the individualism of first century Corinth. It is at odds with our sensibilities today, for sure. We are incredibly worried about relational authority being abused, so we avoid granting it at all. The concern about abuse is valid, but in many cases, our fear has caused an overreaction. 
In healthy relationships, authority is given with trust. Jesus shows us what it means to give authority. If we want healthy, fulfilling relationships, we will follow Jesus' lead. We will give others authority in our lives. When they do the same, the resulting dynamic will be amazing for both people in the relationship. Mutual submission is necessary for relationships to flourish. According to the Bible, relationships require giving up authority over one's self. This is true not just in marriage relationships, but in relationships in general. All relationships place limits and expectations. As American citizens, we are all in a type of relationship with our fellow citizens that limits our freedom. Even the most hardcore libertarian recognizes that my freedom to swing my fist ends where your nose begins. There are many things that I cannot do as an American citizen, even though I want to do them. There's this pullout in Amesbury, this little place that you can pull uh, off to the side of the road that's right by the Powwow River, right in the north part of Amesbury. And for several years, I would go there and I would pull my car over and I have some kayaks and a canoe. I would, I would put them in the Powwow River right there and I'd paddle upstream to the backside of Woodson Farm. There's a nice little beach area right there. And it was a great, it was a beautiful paddle. And last, last spring, last summer, I went to this little favored pullout and there were signs up and the sign said, no parking, violators will be towed. And I was deeply angered by that sign. Who put up these signs? Well, it turns out the person that put up the signs is the person who owns the property. It turns out I had been parking on private property to launch my boat, as had many others, and the owner of the property did not appreciate us doing so, and so he put up these signs. To me, to me, it seems like I should have access to the river at that spot. You know why? Because I want access to the river at that spot. As a citizen, I have to recognize that our government recognizes the rights that come with owning property, even when those rights are inconvenient for me. In addition to limits, being in any sort of relationship includes expectations. Anyone who has a job has a relationship with their boss. Your boss has expectations for how you will dress, act, and fill your time. 
This sometimes means, as an employee, you will have to do things that you don't want to do. Employees have to act on expectations, even when those expectations don't make sense or appear ridiculous to them. The more intimate a particular relationship is, the more limitations and expectations there are that come along with it. Marriage is the most intimate human relationship possible. It places an immense amount of limitations and expectations on those in the relationship. I can't do almost anything without thinking through how my actions will impact my wife, Anne. Even something as small as going to McDonald's for lunch affects her. Does she want me to eat McDonald's? Is this a good way to spend our money? I saw this research this summer, one of those news headlines, so maybe research is a little bit strong for what this was, but it said eating one hot dog takes 36 minutes off your life and we all start tallying how many hot dogs we've eaten in our life. Now, I'm suspicious about how researchers arrived at this specific figure, but I'm going to run with it because it works for the sermon. If a hot dog takes 36 minutes off of a person's life, how long does eating McDonald's take off? It's got to be at least 53 minutes. Is Anne up for me living 53 minutes less just so I can eat those amazing McDonald's fries. It probably depends on how cranky I'll be as an old guy. So I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. The married person no longer even has authority over their own body. Think about that. Paul is not just echoing the patriarchal perspective that was common for his time here. He actually points out the rights a wife has over her husband first. He is trying to correct a misunderstanding that existed in Corinth. Some of the Corinthians exhibited a misogynistic perspective that denied the reciprocal nature of the marriage relationship. Those living in first century Corinth had a general problem that we share in the modern Western world. The problem wasn't just misogyny. There was a general rejection of authority. The Corinthians wanted it to be radically free. They wanted to be able to do anything and everything that each individual thought was good for themselves. If this meant abstaining from sex, so be it. If it meant going to temple prostitutes, that was fine too. Each person had to do what they thought was best with little to no regard for how their individual decisions impacted those they were in a relationship with. 21st century Americans share similar beliefs. 
According to the Brown Political Review, the United States has one of the most individualistic cultures in the world. Americans are more likely to prioritize themselves over a group, and they value independence and autonomy. Now, I'm not trying to say a healthy level of autonomy is bad, especially in the political realm. Governments often overreach in what they demand of their citizens. My point would be that Americans don't just want to be free in regards to their government. We want to be free in every area of our lives. Radical freedom doesn't work well relationally. When you survey the relational landscape in our world today, you don't see a lot of strong relationships. High rates of divorce are the most obvious example of how desire for independence is impacting relationships. Although at this point, people aren't even getting divorced as much because they aren't even getting married in the first place. You also see the overwhelming autonomy of the present day leading to a breakdown in the relationship between children and their parents. Freedom gets used as an opportunity for selfishness. The self-actualization of the individual is prioritized above all with no concern for how it impacts others. When we lack regard for others, we end up alone. Isolation is an opportunity for sin. In verse 5 of today's text, Paul points out how this happens in marriages where physical affection is absent. If you show me a marriage in which the husband and wife are not submitting to each other physically, I will show you a marriage that is in the midst of breaking down. Such a marriage may not end in divorce, but there is a really high chance it will. Whether divorce happens or not, the probability that Satan will take advantage of the situation is 100%. While recognizing that relationships require giving others authority in our lives is necessary, it would be, it would be negligent not to recognize how these verses and others like them have been abused. Abusive spouses have used these verses to demand control since they were written. Most often, the issue has been husbands that make demands on their wives. Over the past several months, I have listened to a podcast called The Fall of Mars Hill, which I strongly recommend. Over many episodes, the podcast told the story of the Mars Hill Church, which is out in the Pacific North Northwest in the Seattle area. The pastor of the church, Mark Driscoll, rose to fame in evangelical circles in the early 2000s. A large part of his message was that men needed to be men. 
much of what he said in this regard was good. Unfortunately, he also made clear to wives that whatever their husbands demanded of them, they should do, even when it was demeaning or disgusting. Mark Driscoll was hardly the first to say these sort of things, and he won't be the last. There will always be those who use Scripture to validate their own selfish desires. They use a twisted idea of God to try to control others. This misuse of the Bible leads some to think the Bible itself is problematic. This ignores that when verses such as 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through 5 are used in an abusive fashion, the perpetrator is not actually doing what the Bible says. They are often taking one verse out of context. They are ignoring other passages that shed additional light. Abusers will demand the person they are abusing do what they say the Bible says, even when they ignore what the Bible tells them to do. If you hang around people that interpret the Bible for a living, eventually you will hear one of them say, the Bible is a bit like a person. If you torture it enough, it will tell you what you want to hear. This doesn't mean that scripture isn't infallible and inerrant. It means that if you twist it around enough, you can hear things that are not true. The problem is with the person, not with the text. The difference between a healthy relationship and an unhealthy one is simple. In unhealthy relationships, control is taken. The means used to establish control vary. We already noted how some use the Bible. Money is a common method. Emotional manipulation happens frequently. In really bad situations, control is established through physical or emotional abuse. If we are honest with ourselves, we all have a tendency to try to establish control in our relationships through some means. Anytime we are doing so for selfish reasons, we are sinning. The only reason to exercise control in a relationship is when it is for the good of the other person. When my kids were little and they would throw tantrums, I would have to physically put them in their rooms for time out. Anytime we have control in a relationship, we should be extremely suspicious of our own motives. In healthy relationships, authority is granted. One person in the relationship gives the other a level of authority that is in keeping with the type of relationship. 
a husband gives more authority to his wife than he does to his mother. Children can make more claims on their parents than a boss can on an employee. The authority one person in a relationship enjoys should be a gift that is freely given in love by the other. This is the relational ideal. The perfect relationship would be one in which both people sacrificially give authority over themselves to the other. Jesus shows us what it means to give authority in love. He does this first with God the Father. Jesus willingly submits to God. He does so again and again. When he is tempted by the devil, Jesus points out that he is under the authority of God. Jesus cried out to God, not my will, but your will be done in the most difficult possible circumstance. God didn't need to demand Jesus' submission, although he could have. Jesus willingly put himself under God's authority. He did so due to the love he felt. Jesus even gives us authority over him. He makes himself a servant to all, Mark 10, 45 says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. One of his last acts as a free man was to wash the feet of his disciples. Jesus' servanthood does not end with his ascension to heaven. In John 14, he promises, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. A few verses later, he says he will send the Holy Spirit to us as a helper. Christian relationships should exhibit the submission that Jesus exemplifies. This is true in marriage for sure. Any marriage where both people are looking to serve their partner will be a wonderful marriage. Such an approach creates a virtuous feedback loop. The more a husband and wife serve each other, the more they will be served. In our individualistic world, this is a hard truth to live out. We are so programmed to prioritize our own needs above all else. If we would take a minute to look at the relationships that are resulting from the approach that is so common in our culture, I think that we would find maybe, just maybe, it leaves a bit to be desired. The other day, I was watching a House Hunters International episode. That's where 
couples or families go looking for a place to live in some foreign country. And there was a, there was a young woman, and she was looking for a place to live in Amsterdam. Her husband, he was going to stay back in Phoenix, Arizona for at least two years. Neither was willing to submit their career advancement to the relational needs of their spouse. All I could think to myself was, how long until this marriage breaks down? Selfish individualism doesn't work in relationships. Willing mutual submission does. Submission should be present in all Christian relationships. What should be true in marriages should be true in families and friendships. I choose to serve my kids. This doesn't mean they can tell me what to do. It does mean they rightly expect me to give of myself for their benefit. I expect them to do the same. I hope my friendships have the same dynamic, not that I owe anyone anything, but that they have a reasonable expectation based on a pattern of willing submission to their needs that I routinely exhibit. That's what I want. Churches are built on allowing others to have authority in our lives. This often gets twisted into the pastor or a group of leaders being able to demand certain behaviors. That is not the way the church is supposed to work. We mutually submit to one another, depending on our roles, depending on our calling. A church without mutual submission to authority cannot function in a healthy fashion. If you are not in any relationships where you are willingly giving another person authority in your life, you are missing out. Certainly this should happen in marriage, but it often doesn't. Even for those that are not married, there are other relational outlets. Family, friendships, and church are all spaces where people have the opportunity to submit to one another in love. A lack of mutual submission is a deprivation. It results in an isolation that Satan will capitalize on. This doesn't just happen sexually in marriages. Isolation often comes before a fall. People were made for community. We are supposed to be in relationship with God through Christ and the Holy Spirit. We need to be in relationship with other people. Having such relationships requires us to sacrifice an appropriate level of our own autonomy. The recognition abuse does happen in such circumstances is not a reason for allowing nobody to have authority in our lives. We need to choose wisely who we 
allow to have authority in our lives, who we give our autonomy to. Mutual submission is necessary for any relationship to flourish. Let's pray. Dear Lord, the relational model that you exhibit to us, that you show us through Christ, that you impart to us through the Holy Spirit is a, is a high calling. We are constantly battling with what is appropriate with our own selfishness, with our own frustrations, Lord. I pray that each of us here, everyone watching at home, that we would seek to give of ourselves, that we would seek to love others, that we would do so in a wise way, that through those relationships, we would grow, Lord. And most of all, I pray that we would do that with you, that with you, our creator and Lord, that we would freely give control of our lives over to you so that we can enjoy the blessings that come through that. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.